Hello, you're listening to Film Graves. I'm Emmett. I'm Sam. We're from the rock and roll band Phil Graves, the extant rock and roll band. Yeah. Ridiculous. We are here once again to talk about cinema. If you listen to our last episode about the brilliant Patricio Guzman, you'll know that we've been away for a long time. Or even if, if you didn't know that, you'd probably also know that. Or something. <laughs> or something. But we have been away for a long time. So we'd like to sort of recap the last six months of repertory programming that our eyes have got to be open for. Exactly. We are talking about actual cinemas as well as the cinema, the cinema. Yeah. Mainly rep cinema then. I think exclusively. Yeah. I'd say so. Lots of ones with accompaniment, bunch of seasons to talk about, I mm. guess. Summer and autumn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, the seasons. Yeah. A few filmmakers whose films I like hadn't seen before. Sure. Um, had like retrospectives this year, like Truffaut and Vim Vendors and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Um, they're basis films. Don't worry. I still ain't seen them. You haven't seen, what, The 400 Blows or... Paris, Paris Texas. Texas, yeah. <laughs> good good movies, man. But you did see Wings of Desire and loads of true horror movies. Mm, yeah. So at my cinema, we had... What did I see there? Shoot the Piano Player? Ah. Really fun storytelling. My favourite by Miles. I guess fun to compare to, like, Goddard films like A Band Apart, which we also watched recently. Well, sure. this year as yeah, part yeah. of a important bit of film programming um <laughs> which we'll get to later i'm trying to think about Truffaut. like at the start of the year when the bfi because they would do an annual sort of retrospective where they do screen like all of their work yeah they're doing it for peter greenaway right now and they did it for Bresson earlier in the year mm. but um when they did it when they announced it was for Truffaut, i was like oh fuck's sake i'm not gonna go to any of those oh boring but everything i saw absolutely loved it yeah i mean shoot the piano player was very jokes and kinetic and yeah. like jazzy the end of it is just the end of on dangerous ground by nicholas ray which is great you went to piss for the best part of the movie when he says <laughs> if i tell a lie may my mother be struck down and then it just cuts to oh. his mom <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of thing is what cinema audiences the world over were bowled over by 60 years ago and today what else was in that season? Do you remember? I think I saw The Last Metro and we saw Jules and Jim. The Last Metro? I was saying to you like, oh, if it wins a BAFTA for best normal <laughs> film, it just can't be, can't be very good. I mean, you've been talking a while in relation to your job about films, about theatre. I think this is good as far as those go. Um, with all the sort of like meta staging elements as well and like how they relate to the, the narrative. How did it compare um, to The Baby of Masson? <laughs> incomparable <laughs> um but yeah i mean that film has again these like sort of reframings within a single shot to like, yeah. make you think about like what's real or whatever the um, funny one of those that i like to think about is uh anna karenina by joel oh, wright yeah. which is an adaptation of a novel but he puts it all in a proscenium arch for some reason why not <laughs> not all of the last metro uses that frame device mm. um Otherwise, it's, it's about, you know, Vichy it's France, a, right? yeah, it's an occupation film, um, less wavy than like the Red Circle or something like that, or, um, sure. you know, Confidence, um, the like Hungarian one. Yeah, it doesn't look um, as, as lit as those. But... Which like have a very similar like, you know, sort of like desaturated world. This was, I guess, a lesser seen one. Mm. Like it's like, it's a colour one. I think it's from the early 80s or whatever. It has Gerard Depardieu in like the main role. <laughs> Sold. Jules and Jim. Yeah, Terrific. I mean, you can't really go wrong, can you? No, that is, great. <laughs> yeah. that is just a great movie, isn't it? Vim Vendors, do you like his 
yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a funny one to put next to True Folk because they're both like probably least favorite sort of auteurs or whatever. Of their respective yeah. movements, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> um, fuck, like Wings of Desire is one of the best movies ever. You like that? I mean, it's stunning. Okay. Yeah. We need to watch a Far Away So Close. The, the <laughs> Little scene sequel with the U2 soundtrack. Not a bit of reprogramming, but I have watched Mikey and Nikki since then, I think. We watched a few Columbo's um, as well. Sure did. Wings of Desire is just an amazing piece of work, though. Fuck, who did Soy Cuba? Kalatazov. Yeah. Um, like crane shots. Yeah, um, definitely. For the interiors. In the and, library. Um, yeah, I guess it's also like a rubble film as well. Um, sure. For like the late 80s. Like in the same way... Like those, like Petzold, and like, um, mm. like all those, like German film school people from that period as well. The way they shoot Berlin is just like quite moving, or whatever. <laughs> or, like, I don't know. They like use the. Like, uh, I'm definitely going to cut that. The way they shoot Berlin, like they make it like a character or whatever, and this film does that in like a crazy way. Yeah, I really like that. It's one. worth noting that the uh, vendors season is presented by Curzon and is available, was available through the summer on a lot of cinema screens actually. Mm. And the Truffaut season was released by the BFI, and it was on at your cinema and several other picture houses. Yes, exactly. They've been quite good. They did all the Ozus last year. Yeah, that's right. We had a Japanese season, which I think was all Ozu, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <sick. laughs> and I think we were meant to have Godzilla, and then it got cancelled inexplicably. I saw Mothra at the Barbican in a sort of a silent disco thing where everyone had headphones on, and it was outdoors. Dog- that sounded really cool, actually. Dog- yeah, yeah. 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 Mad um, environment to watch that in as well. <laughs> it's not as good as Godzilla. Yeah, it was fun. It's silent. Um, doesn't seem to be much uptake for the Peter Greenaway reissues. Draftman's uh, contract is definitely going on the circuit, isn't it? I think it's come and gone. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but, you know, I spent years being like, oh, it'd be such a cool idea having a Peter Greenaway retrospective. And now it's come along and I'm like, oh... Yeah, I mean, you've seen a few of them. Yeah, I'm going to see a lot more as well. Yeah, I'm going to but... go to the Tulsa Looper Day, bro. I'm glad that he's getting his flowers because there was some interview in The Guardian saying, like, I'm going to kill myself when I'm 80. And he turned 80 this year. And we're going to see him on stage in a couple of weeks. It's going to be great. We will do a full episode about his work um, probably early next year, I reckon. I, by that point, I would have seen all of his films. <laughs> okay, cool. I promise you, dear listener. <laughs> Alison Cities. Yeah. Sweet movie, man. Yeah, I mean, I seen like when did did Come On, Come On come out last year? Like, I think, yeah, I think yeah. I screened it in like January. Yeah, in retrospect, I guess Come On, Come On is like a big rip off of of Alice in the <laughs> yeah, Cities. Sure. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed both films. I guess like any film with like sort of precocious kid character, I think there's like room to be like really annoyed by. <laughs> Better than precocious adult movies. Or is that a cue for talking about Satan Tango? <laughs> So, we love Satan Tango. I hate Satan Tango now. Uh, we went to... You look so stricken when we came out of it. Yeah, it was so funny, man. Like, we went to see it at the Prince Charles, full house. Started at, like, 10am, finished at, like, 7pm or something like that. And every time we'd go out for, like, a smoke break in one of the three intervals, and you're standing underneath that, like, Dominion's Rise of Gru billboard in leicester square and you're like fuck i wish i was watching that yeah i mean you looked like um going out in these intervals with you it was like looking at a fucking stages of life woodcut or whatever yeah, sure, yeah. where it's just like but you went in like bright eyed and you came out like you know crossing the river sticks or whatever. i've just seen it too many times yeah i mean you've seen it in cinema 
twice. I, yeah, I have. Yeah, Ooh, I'm not going to see it yeah. again for another like ten years. But yeah. lucky to have seen it. What did you think? You had a good time. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I had, a, <laughs> I had a great time. I think I guess I'd seen it like twice at home. Yeah, and probably more like watching parts or whatever. Like sitting and watching Irumi Ash makes a speech at home or whatever sure. with my breakfast. You went to see Wertmeister Harmonies as well at the ICA. Um, no, that was also at Prince Charles. Was it? In the smaller screen. Yeah, yeah I think the, watching Satan Tango in the big one where it's like domed. I don't like that And then place. if you sit in like, what's the word for a lowest point? Nadir. I was certainly sitting in the Nadir. <laughs> When I was watching Saint Tango. I've seen all of my favourite films there. I've seen fucking Celine Judy Go Boating there, The Searchers, fucking Playtime all for the first time. A Brighter Summer Day. And I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching um, Workmeister Harmonies in the smaller room, though, and that was on like a really battered 35mm sure. print, which, you know, really added to the experience, I think. Yeah, this was my first time seeing Workmeister Harmonies. Um, much like with Satan Tango, I sort of wanted to replicate that experience of accessing it like through the prose first. Sure. Um, the Melancholy of Resistance is the book that it's adapted from. My BFI sight and sound invite was lost in the post, but that's in my top 10. Um, I think we'll do a whole episode about it because it is a remarkable film. It's also more accessible, I would say, duration-wise than Satan Tango. So if you're interested in watching one of Bailatar's films, I would recommend this as a start. It's definitely the one to go for. That film has everything. Yeah. Although you haven't seen Damnation, have you? No. That is also worth watch. That we should watch everything. that soon. He's a good filmmaker. Um, Satan Tango was presented as the 4K restoration, I think, that was that has like the new subs as well. Yeah, it's the new translation. Yeah. Stuff. Um, which we- was meant to happen like before COVID. So that's sort of what what this programming is about, I think. I regret every choice I've made in my life that led me to watching Satan Tango at the Prince Charles Cinema. <laughs> but it's our most uh, listened to episode, the episode about Satan Tango. So is that actually? It is, yeah. So mm-hmm. You can listen to me being really enthusiastic and haps about it on that if you want. Having seen uh, Satan Tango at the, in a basement in Soho, the Prince Charles Cinema, a classic place, um, I would say that those people should be a bit worried, though, because there's a new basement in Soho in town I guess this is more in sort of Holborn Covent Garden this is like Freemason territory yeah it's right opposite where the, the, the FA was founded on a handshake <laughs> exactly uh, by Philomena's or whatever a couple of good Oxfans around there we're talking about the Garden Cinema who opened to the public in sort of April time um, with a Marlon Brando season quite a staggering sort of Disneyland for cinephiles, I would say. Like, it is, <laughs> it's a weird, like, kitschy place. Oh, yeah, it's so... I mean, they've got this this painting that's, like, um, the bar at the Folie Berger by Manet, but it's Marlena Dietrich, and it's got loads of, you know... Yeah, it's like The icon- Shining or whatever yeah, in the background. Yeah, it's got like, icons from... You the- can see yourself there, like, you never left the garden cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I hadn't. I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff this year. Yeah, I've seen some amazing stuff. They had the rules of the game on on my birthday. Yeah. Good time. That was great. Yeah, very well attended and widely lauded, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Every, every time it's actually been packed. They're, they're, what's the capacity for those screens? Like 40? Something? Sure, something 40, yeah. 50 or something. Like um, but it always feels like really busy whenever I go and see a film there. Yeah. It, I mean, it's about the, it feels quite a lot like the BFI screening rooms, actually. Mm. Well, that yeah. place is great because they don't have a... No, I'm not going to say that. Apparently, I'm not allowed to say this. But yeah, the first film I saw at the Garden Cinema was All That Jazz, which is also when we had Cabaret on at the kiln. So I was a bit Bob Fosse obsessed at that point. Is that like 
part of a musical. Yeah, they do a musical every Friday. Yeah, that's cool. Sick. We saw Monsieur Hulot's Holiday there, which is like a kid's screening, but with in inverted commas, I think there was one kid there. <laughs> and his name was Sam Story. <laughs> we. You were cackling your ass off in that screening. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny ass film. It was film, like I Cape Fear. <laughs> Um, that was the first time watch for me. Was it? Ugh. Yeah, I think so. Because I'd seen God. like Jour de Fate and Playtime mm. and Monon, maybe. Mm. I mean, they all sort of feel like one film. I'm glad you can count on these films getting screened, especially in some sort of kids club setting. I mean, that, that's what they're doing for their kids club. <laughs> Fair play. I love this place. It's worth mentioning they had a whole a year after they did the Mike Lee season at the BFI. They've done this mad one where him and Gary Yershon, who did the music to a lot of his movies. They screened all of his films, and there's been a 90-minute conversation after every one. Yeah, that is an insane feat of programming. Yeah, glorious. Big love to Mike Lee. I would have loved to have gone to some of those, but I, I didn't go to a single one, actually. I've seen the two films that I've wanted to see for my whole life pretty much there for the first time, that being The Scarlet Empress by Joseph von Sternberg, a dirty, dirty film, and um, Make Way for Tomorrow by Leo McCary which I saw with Shen, and is the film that Tokyo Story is based on. Yeah, that was meant to be heartbreaking. Yeah, it was devastating. Incredible, though. This is what they're putting on. What a gift. Big shout out to the Garden Cinema. You haven't seen The Last of Me. Maybe we can scoot down the road again. Get on a lime. Yeah. (laughs) Where is the Goethe Institute? It's on South Kent. It's on Exhibition Road. Yeah, it's near the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Okay. With the big spike. This is an event that I was gutted to miss, but you were was... gutted to miss. Oh, fuck. But yeah, I was you working. obviously were. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was it? What were they doing there? It was for Danielle, the launch of a book um, called "Tell It to the Stones," which is about an exhibition that took place in Berlin in 2017 about the writings of Danielle Ouyé, a patron saint of the podcast. Yeah, of course. And the films that she made with Jean-Marie Strobe, who left us a week ago. Yeah, some great tributes coming out. They were the goat. Yeah. They were amazing. And it was a beautiful program. They screened Sicilia. Amazing film. Funny story to tell you about that in a bit. Um, they screened Every Revolution is a Roll of the Dice, their adaptation of the Mayame poem, which has like every line read by a different person, some of whom are in historical garb in like a sort of park in Paris. It's shot in Père Lachaise, and the first right. shot is the wall that they executed the Paris Commune members against crazy short film they screened five bagatelles by pedro costa which was excerpts from or unused takes from his film where does your hidden smile lie which is about them to editing sicilia yeah i need to watch that one fuck they, they screened the death of empendocles but i actually skipped that one because i'm an idiot that's one of their sort of rigorous like um sort of restagings of classical material and like modern parks um so sick yeah Moses and Aaron. Can't wait to do a, the rock and roll episodes. We can talk about that. And they finished with the film about Suzanne, which was probably the best Stropier film I've seen, I think. Yeah. That was amazing. you got to watch it. Mm. Um, there was a talk from their translator, subtitler. It's worth noting that even though their subtitler was in the room, they actually screened the Sicilia DCP with Italian subtitles, which was funny. And no one did anything about it for like 20 minutes. I mean, the Northern Italians should be allowed to understand what the Southerners are saying, to be fair. Damn right. However. <laughs> it was just a great event, though, you know, obviously, to be celebrating these people's work. 
they, they get screened often at the Goethe Institute. The one we went to see from the Cloud to Resistance, that was at the Institut Lumiere just down the road, but I think that was put on by the Goethe Institute, which is kind of like when I found out that Come Dine With Me is produced by ITV <laughs> for Channel 4. Exactly. I think that was part of the Open City yes. documentary film festival, if memory serves. It was. Also, I mean, I would say... I think we first watched these Stropier films on Mubi mm-hmm. when they had their retrospective like, like three or four years ago now. But even then, I felt like the way they used subtitles was lackluster creative. or creative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I always thought it was because German had long words, but then most of the films are in French anyway. And I don't really have that issue with any other French films. Yeah, I think it would be possible to fully subtitle all the sequences with dialogue. Without yeah. um, sort of offending the sort of structural integrity of the film, unless it's like a joke about accessibility. Um, I, I mean, look at another great departed. Yeah, of course. A Western European filmmaker, Jean Luc Godard, rest in peace. This is one of the first episodes we're doing without Jean Luc being able to listen to it. <laughs> uh, he's listening down there. Um, <laughs> but you the know, Ouija he, board's going crazy right now. You know, we watched <laughs> we watched the image book, and like half of that isn't subtitled. When yeah. he put out film socialism in America, he put it in Navajo subtitles, where like everyone speaks like how First Nations people speak in westerns or whatever. Yeah, it's amazing, hilarious, and purposeful. I think it's slightly different though, because it doesn't feel like a editorial choice on the part of the Strobes. It seems like there are these 4K restorations being made available um, where... Someone went for a piss and then they came back and it's like, oh, it's the same shot. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> this is exactly... <laughs> that is literally what it is. Um, okay, Still no. on that wagon. Yeah. Still on the back of the head. <laughs> Still dressing like Romans. Uh, no shout out. We've been celebrating... JLG. We didn't know he was going to die. We thought he was going to live forever. We've got a little sick cabal yeah. cadre of uh, North London-based cinephiles. Again, I've missed a bunch of these because of work, but um, I did watch The Carabiniers. I've never seen that one before. Um, which was, yeah, I mean... Just as good as all the other... Doing the chef's kiss yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You said that was like bad luck banging, right? They've got that sort of dictionary of signs and wonders. Where they're like, do you remember this? Where, the, where it's like the spoils of war and they're just like naming shit and writing it down on cards or whatever. And it's like all the indulgences of life in the West. Nah. Literally don't remember. I remember being bowled over by it at the time. I mean, the image book has left a much greater impression in my mind, sure. I would say. What else have... I mean, it's been chronological, hasn't it? It has so indeed, yeah. Where, I've seen where everything. are we up to now? Uh, Unfemme Marie is the next one we're going to watch. Well, Soon we're going to jump off the cliff, we, we'll watch Weekend and then that's it. Then it's real, yeah. like, we're in the trenches. Can't fucking wait. If you're interested in joining, uh, the application form will be in there. <laughs> um, more avant-garde 60s programming in London. You went to a screening of Vera Hitalova's Something Different? That was um, the 5 to 9 film club, which I believe was an online film club. Uh, that started in the pandemic and they've done a few public screenings since which is brilliant they also screened Jane B. Parr Agnes V which is a film about Jane Birkin made by Agnes Varda no surprise there but yeah we went to see you went there sorry 
um, the Royal We went to see, uh, I think this is their first screening of something different, which I hadn't seen before, um, despite loving daisies, of course. And it was put on in this like gallery space where they'd made a sort of art exhibition to go along with it, i.e. they'd made a pommel horse and some other gymnastics equipment, I don't know the name of, of this. Um, but it was a lovely event presented by the, you know, great, the great Narodny Film Archive or whatever. To abandon the Royal We now, I am still waiting to watch Checkmate. Um, okay, yeah. let's take a pause. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be back in it. nine hours. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, something different I would recommend to everyone. Half of it is a gymnastics film, the best gymnastics film ever. And half of it is about a sort of repressed mum in Prague in a sort of, it's a bit like Jeanne Dielman or something. And it's about sort of these two women's lives and what the sort of differences and similarities are, I guess. That was terribly put. But no, awesome film. I'd recommend it to anyone. Great to see stuff like this just popping up, like new little film club, little film club, little. Um, it's amazing. Should we talk about Sam's films? I feel like this must absolutely. have come up at some point on the podcast. Well, no, because we haven't done a podcast since we started going, man. Crazy. Oh no, we did. We went to see Ocarina yep. by Boris Barnett. Sam's films. Apparently, it's been going for like twenty years. Fuck. Down in Rotherhithe, it's a costume shop and a film studio. They produced a few few movies there. Yeah gonna see the good soldier spike asap but yeah it's a brilliant place pay what you want the worst cup of tea you've ever had in your life <laughs> on the door um the guy andre langlois i believe his name not joking his name is uh olivier stockman um and he's amazing does these brilliant intros every week um of just stuff that you just never see the first time i went there was to see a, a max offield film that i'd never heard of before and can't remember what it is <laughs> What is called? It's and called we saw Divine. Oh, cool. it's great. Early like one from the thirties. We saw Street Scene. Exactly. And I was just looking up trying to remember who made it. It was King Vidor. It was. Yeah, that was a pretty sleepy experience. Yeah, but I bizarre mean, it's... film. <laughs> I sometimes think about the Sky Pilot, which he made. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Made our daily bread in the crowd. The crowd. Yeah. Um, but the Sky Pilot. I don't know. I think I saw a made Jewel in the Sun post. Instagram post from like Criterion or something, Snow Westerns, the series. Mm. Um, and for me, like that's like the Snow Western. The Snow, like it's the earliest one I can think of. We're not talking about um, films we watched at home, but I watched The Track of the Cat by William Wellman with oh, Robert yeah, Witch. That, that was Mitchum. the first one on this list. That film was so yeah. awesome. Yeah. The cat was evil. The cat was like a possessed <laughs> cat. It's just him up a mountain. Oh, it was so good. But Sans Films. It's such a gift every week, and they put it online for a month as well. Yeah, exactly. I can't recommend it highly enough, really. And it's always interesting going to the like old Docklands, like part. Every time I'm like, I need to come here and do more psychogeography. You need um, to wade like the band Caroline, record an album like half standing in the Thames or whatever. <laughs> they do that. One of the guys is like into wading, I believe. So, like a fragment of pottery. You find yourself on the wash in Rotherhive. Mm. How are you going to get back to the BFI? Because you do actually need to go to the Reuben Library. Yeah, to photograph some chapters of some books. Well, I guess there's a few options. I could cast myself back into the Thames and hope a mudlock finds me on that other bank right down nearby the BFI, which I think is the only other bit of the Thames you can stand on and that sort of bit. If I, am I Flotsam or Jetsam in this? Your jet, jet <laughs> Sam. Sam, Sam, yeah. Or, or Shark Sam. <laughs> Or you go one stop down to Canada Water on the overground and then a few back on the Jubilee line. 
bang. Is it easier to bump the boat or the train? <laughs> um, we're at the BFI again. I feel like we've gone to the BFI so many times this episode. But, you know, it just keeps calling us back. Yeah. And then you find yourself watching Ball of Fire, one of the most jokes films I've seen this year. Best film I've seen this year. Really? Yeah. Best film? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. I mean, it's a Howard Hawks film with Barbara Sandwick in it about the Frankfurt School. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And Gary, I think we saw it quite soon after watching High Noon as well, potentially. I think just before. Or, yeah. Because we saw a red-headed woman where she says, watch out, I'm a ball of fire. Yeah. And that was like 20 years before a ball of fire. 10 years before a ball of fire. Exactly right. Yeah. I love to think about Howard Hawks making ball of fire with Gary Cooper straight after making Sergeant York, which is kind of like the hacksaw ridge of... Mm. It's like the film that like got America to go to war. or Damn. And it was the film he hated, Howard Hawks hated working on the most... Um, because it was like religious and stuff like that, you know. Literally the opposite of John Ford or yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, "Let's go to war and wear some cross." You know. Yeah, and Howard Hawks only went to Europe to make "I Was a Male War Bride" in 1946 to like sort of take the piss out of the rubble of Europe or whatever. But Ball of Fire, what a good time! Yeah, that was a seniors screening. No, it was a members' pick. I think it might as well have been a seniors screening. <laughs> Um, we also saw on our long gestating nuns episode that we planned to do around the release of Benedetta, still coming, um, we went to see Les Anges de Peche, which was the only film I saw in the Bresson season, mm. which was fine. But it was preceded by his directorial debut, a short called Les Affaires Publiques, which he made in 1934. Yeah, that was bizarre. Ladies and gentlemen, if like... <laughs> it's just like the worst introduction to Robert Bresson's films you yeah, can possibly exa- imagine. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's a bit like a René Clair film. Oh, shit, yeah, it was exactly like that. Yeah. That's a great comparison. And it's sort of the same time as well. When mm. there was Le Million. That was like 1932, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have that sort of early sound mm. thing. Robert Bresson was a surrealist, right? He worked with Guy Debord. You can see his, like, crazy photographs. I've got them in uh, this book. I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I'll talk about it again. Or, yeah, it was a bit like a Jean Vigo, like, Zero de Conduit. It was very sort of anarchic and jokes and... Yeah sort of zany or a bit like hell's a poppin or something like that i mean it's also like a gulliver's travels sort of adaptation Mm. i guess um or is it direct a direct adaptation or is it just like very much that vibe like imagined kingdoms at war yeah like yeah um, or the thomas sci-fi element sort of thing (laughs) yeah or yeah thomas more or a sci-fi element exactly (laughs) um (laughs) um also yeah (laughs) by virtue of the gulliver's travels um like vibe it reminded me of the case for a rookie hangman yeah by sure. um pavel juracek um a very jokes and like again like sort of metaphorical adaptation of that from the czech new wave yeah and tonally it wasn't too different to like closely watched trains or something like that no certainly not like um, uh, they're all part of the same genealogy i think if the robert which bresson has nothing to do with bresson <laughs> if the robert bresson i knew and loved were to make an adaptation of gulliver's travels it would just be on a dude's face for an hour and a half <laughs> You wouldn't know whether he's among short people or tall people or horses. <laughs> but thank you, BFI, for doing a press on season. I, I saw Foolish Wives at the London Film Festival there. But I'll talk about that later because it came out in 1922. Oof, yeah. There's still time. You're going to love that. <laughs> yeah. Just down the road then from the BFI, we did see... You could walk there if you want. Or you could get the uh, 172. 168. Yeah. Four, four, something. You yeah. get the number one. It's just down in Elephant and Castle, where I went to 
art school. Oh, it's changed so much there. The like banging cinema Chinese music face. hasn't. <laughs> yeah, you can still hear the cries of the children in the in the workhouse there. Yeah. Charlie Chaplin um, doing his little routines. Exactly. But you can um, hear him, which is weird. <laughs> when we went there, we could hear quite a lot actually coming from outside because it was bonfire night. Oh, it was mad, yeah. <laughs> Hearing like fireworks go off while you're watching Eric von Stroheim's The Wedding March. We went there for Kennington Bioscope Festival. Yeah, you saw a few other films Incredible there. stuff. What else? I saw Dragnet Girl by Ozu and um, the original Gold Diggers, which was from 1923, which is what, like, the Gold Diggers of 1930-whatever is based on. Right. And it was a film that was found this year in, like, a drawer somewhere. And it was always thought lost, and everyone was like, oh, wouldn't it be mad to see what the original Gold Diggers is like? I mean, it is, like, a, a let's put on a show musical from the silent era, so it has a lot of, you know, dance sequences or yeah. whatever. I mean, we're entering the part of the podcast where... I think every film we're going to talk about now was accompanied. Um, the Dead film was a concert film. It was accompanied by me going... Yeah, exactly. The Wedding March. I hadn't seen that one before. I mean, which ones have I seen? Like Greed. Greed, I think that's potentially it. Greed is a very atypical Eric von Stroheim film because it doesn't have Eric von Stroheim as like a dodgy... As like a Martinet or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like a pseudo-Martinet. Yeah. The Wedding March boasts a colour sequence. It does which indeed. Which is quite extraordinary. Which is the most boring thing you've ever seen, right? Or yeah. I mean, they spend the reels on like a, like a sort of pageant sequence. Yeah. It's just like... It's not the, even the Wedding March, is the, it? No. It's, well, I guess it is, isn't it? Is it the Wedding Sequence? No, it's like the March. It's like the, it's like the trooping of the colour or something. It's like a military... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was funny. They had screened beforehand. They screened this like piece that they'd made for Channel 4 when they'd screened it at Sadler's Wells in like 1997. And then they also seemed to show a silent film on Friday nights on Channel 4 every week. Crazy. Yeah. I was trying to find out more about that after the fact. And I just... It seems like a great phenomenon. Though. And they would like have Terry Gilliam there in like... The menace Terry Gilliam. In like... <laughs> Can you believe the hat he's wearing, like, vibe or whatever? He's like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then the Bigfoot comes down and crushes him. And, um, yeah, that was a really cool bit, though, actually. Mm. Um, especially going to see, like, a, the same film. Like, maybe even the same print. Sure. Because um, I think they produce prints for, like, the circuit as well. The Wedding March's last film, of course, was supposed to be, like, 10 hours long. And the version we saw is, like, 100 minutes. I would really recommend Dragnet Girl by Yasujiro Ozu, which is the silent film that he made in 1936. Yeah, is that a sort of public affairs to his? I'd been led to believe Tokyo story. Yeah, I've been led to believe that his movies, his like early silent movies, are kind of trash. I mean, I was born, but is hilarious and really great. I think that might be his first film. That's about kids. Um, but this is supposed, to, you know, I've been led to believe. Oh, it's like a just like a genre film or whatever. It doesn't have any Ozu stuff in it, but it certainly did. It was amazing. It was one of the best Ozu films I've ever seen. A brilliant score, of course. What else did you expect? Yeah, I didn't make it to anything else at that. I did see... It's not very near to Kennington, so this is going to be quite a convoluted... You can get the Thames link from <laughs> Elephant Castle Overground to Gatwick Airport. Well, up to Luton, as it were. And then um, you find yourself watching Fritz Lang's Destiny in Wrocław, um, <laughs> accompanied by an extremely mad-looking organ... Um, some like Darth Vader looking Verlitzer sort of jobby. Mm. Um, I mean, we've spoken about Destiny at length on the podcast on like multiple episodes, I think. So we really don't need to go into it too much, but there are 
extremely pen copies available of that on YouTube. And Several. if you haven't seen it, I really would recommend it. If you want to just watch like a fun, silent film. You want to watch a D.W. Griffith movie, but you don't want to go, ay ay ay. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot of ay 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 in this, to be fair. Um, we're wearing sombreros at the moment, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Destiny is so good. Man. But yeah, amazing to see in like a big... I think it was like the National Music Forum in the town, which is just like cavernous and quite a modern building as well, compared to something like the um, Cinema Museum, which um, I don't know if we actually really described it. it. It was the old workhouse. It's got like a factory, you know, brick and like I-beams yeah. with all this like ephemera and like bits of cameras lying around and sort of like dangling from the ceiling and stuff it's so good a bunch of posters for movies you've never heard of they wouldn't even get screened on like talking pictures tv or nothing you know yeah what else have we seen accompanied oh there's one big one that we haven't spoken about oh shit Um, shout out the brixton chamber orchestra because i know they've been trying to do something like this for a number of years you know they're exclusive they basically only do gigs in lambeth borough so fair play matthew o'keefe friend of the show sickest film screening i've been to this year i've seen vampire numerous numerous times I watched it twice, back to back. We we wrote the program notes for this event as well. Matthew watched it like five times. That's what I was going to say. Imagine, can you imagine? I hear that like conducting to film, to accompany a film, is like the hardest job that a conductor can do because there's no, you don't get to like create your own pace the same way that a conductor is supposed to do because you've got to time it to, you know, cues, edits and stuff like that. Did an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, something we wrote about in the in those notes um is that yeah it's vamp isn't like not a silent film there's dialogue in it they recorded multiple language tracks for different audiences but for an event like this um with the live accompaniment i think like they basically had to play it silently Um, i mean there's only about 50 lines of dialogue it's like a siming lang film yeah for sure the score they did was amazing actually it was sort of a serialist sort of thing with lots of improvisation i think o'keefe like worked with the players to you know it was quite collaborative i think there's a big jam Um, section a big like sort of dark star the other one moment uh (laughs) exactly (laughs) which is great when the guy is being buried in sand they used uh shakers or something like that when he's being buried in grain sorry yeah i think they had a big metal sheet oh it was beautiful they also did um the skeleton dance i Mm. think yeah a Disney thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that comes with a score, which is like... Because the whole thing is like two animated skeletons like playing each other's rib cages, like xylophones, is sort of built into the like logic of the cartoon or whatever. Yeah, great. Um, different the, pitches that... for different ribs. I was lucky enough to go to the kids' screening of Vampire. I can't get two of my, you know, late 20s-aged mates to watch a Drea film at the same time. This place was full of kids, all like reading the intertitles along, like laughing, screaming. Yeah, amazing. It was so sick compared to, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think they like bust them in from schools. Yeah. Yeah. Did a dementia friendly screening of Singing in the Rain, which had a similarly sort of receptive audience of people singing along and. So nice, man. Having a laugh. I remember years ago, I saw with O'Keefe a like accompanied passion of joan of arc um at king's actually i think mm. um with like uh like male choir doing like contemporary music medieval music i mean <laughs> and i think that's 
he's basically been working, like, gestating this idea since then. Sure. It was amazing to see it. There's a Julia Holter passion of Joan of Arc. I mean, that's, like, yeah, probably that's the most well. rescored. That was at the, at the Barbican on Friday, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, this has been a pretty comprehensive review. We haven't really done anything in West London, I think, <sighs> apart from at your cinema. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's about as far west as we go. Yeah. Um, Kiln? A bit more west, maybe? We're going to see Cask Door tonight. Oh, yeah. It's going to be dope. 10 out of 10 movie. Shout out to the Independent Cinema Office. I would like to mention that I did go see Jean Eustache's The Mother and the Whore at Picture House Central. All of his films are being restored and will be available next year. I think, I say around the country, but they'll probably get like one screening each at the ICA. I would really recommend The Mother and the Whore. You know me. I like uh, films with Jean-Pierre Léo in them from the 70s that have five minute sequences of someone listening to a record that's exactly what i got from this film it was it was done as a sort of promo screening for gaspar noe's vortex um which stars francoise lebrun who's also one of the stars of this film and she did a great introduction where she she said like one one piece of advice for any actresses in the house please don't do my last monologue from this film for yourself tapes and it was probably the loudest 35 millimeter print i've ever heard run through a projector like it was deafening. The actual print or the, the soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. It's almost it's a bit like listening to this podcast, you know, when there's like before we do the noise reduction. I'm gonna edit this episode. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's definitely go see all the Jean Eustache films next year. Yeah, I'm very down. Let's talk about the Grateful Dead. They do this every year. Yeah, that's mad. So what show it was from seventy two It was on the Europe seventy two tour fifty years ago. Yeah. Maybe from their best Copenhagen, tour. I think. Yeah. It was the second date. It was the first gig ever shown on Danish TV. It is on YouTube, we've been led to believe it's like an exclusive sort of package that's I think it unearthed. was remastered potentially. And um yeah, I think first performance of He's Gone, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um lots of bangers. Oh, it was, it was so fun. good. And it was pretty full as well. Nice yeah, crowd. I mean, so we went to Picture House Hackney, I think. Yeah, it was sold out um, in London, in Picture House Central. Yeah, that's insane. <sighs> yeah. Every year we get to do this. I reckon our screening was louder. Than- <laughs> yeah, thanks to us. <laughs> yeah. It's a Trafalgar releasing thing. I don't really go to many of their things. Like, I'm not going to go see Michael Bublé live from the Royal Albert Hall or whatever. Sure. They did the Oasis at Nebworth thing. But I mean, yeah. you get to see Grateful Dead stuff in the cinema every year. Around the world. It was good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> sure I think some, some old guy stood up afterwards and was like, oh, I guess I'm a deadhead now. And it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Me leaving, the, the getting the vaccine. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this trip around the cinemas in London. It's great to be back doing this podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening. Please give us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Um, it would actually be helpful, I think. Sure. And Write um, us a piece of correspondence. Ask us some questions. Yeah, th- I think we'll probably open it up for the end of year one. Yeah. yeah. It'd be nice. Yeah. Send in your questions. Send in your complaints. Why are you so shit? Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. If you can combine them creatively, you get extra points. <laughs> um, Shout out to all the programmers worldwide. The people who are prizing reels of film out of hands of archives and collectors because it's great to be a cinephile in 2022 yeah in one of the biggest cities in the world (laughs) to be fair these do cover like six months or something yeah we went to cinema rediscovered in bristol as well there's a whole another thing about that that you'll get to hear hopefully yeah maybe
You fucking convinced Sam to put it out. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> yeah. Lots of love. Oh, my mama told me, my papa told me to. Oh, my mama told me, papa told me to. That I shouldn't be here trying to sing the railroad blues. Wish I hadn't listened to what my mama said. Wish I hadn't listened to what my mama said. Then I wouldn't be here trying to sleep in this cold iron bed. <laughs> <laughs>